Looks like we are live. Welcome in latest episode that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Braddon. Go by SEC Michael Twitter. And joined as always by the cheating cousin Shane over here. <laughs> Goes by Big Orange Vols. What's up, brother? Oh, hey, buddy. What's going on, son? I tried to give you a day off here, Shane, but then the NCAA looks like they're about to drop the hammer on that vault. So I want to get your reaction. We'll get to that in just a second, Shane, but I just want to tease. Latest, greatest interview, first time on the show, Gabe Diorman from Power Mizzou. Shane, the, the Mizzou fans have been dying to get Gabe on this show, so he was very gracious with his time. Very much appreciate that. But, of course, what everybody's dying for, Shane, they want – your reaction to the NCAA coming after your balls. Bunch of bullshit. That's what it is, Mike. <laughs> That's all it is. And you break this thing down, and it's been an absolute joke from day one. And and our girl Plowman, she is coming after them. Uh we're we're gonna I don't know if you're gonna show the letters or you it's on it's online right now. So for those that haven't been paying attention, the Tennessee Vols are quote unquote under investigation for have we even been uh, like officially under investigation, or is this all rumors from Pat and his and his trash letter that he sent out? I'm I'm not clicking on it, but you know, and it, and it's it's funny because it feels like it's leaked. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh, first reported by Sports Illustrated. When the when the hell has Sports Illustrated ever been breaking news? You know what I'm saying? Unless it's to drag one of these kids or one of these universities through the mud. That's what they love to do. It's clickbait 101. So, yeah, I'm a little fired up by the NCAA investigation, quote-unquote investigation, because because it's all bullshit, man. We don't have rules. There's 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 no set guidelines and it's and the problem I'm having is the picking and choosing. It's like, okay, we're going we're we're we got a job. Let's let's get Florida State. Oh, let's let's go down here to Florida. Let's let them know that the NCAA still exists. Not for long, my friends. NCAA is dying in Tennessee. They picked a fight with somebody that may put that last dagger in them. Oh, and something I was not even aware of and I have not verified this, but Matthew, shout out Matthew. He says, Pat Forty's a Mizzou grad, Shane. He's just, he's, we know what he's doing. He's trying to sabotage that balls. You know what? I'm telling you, just, oh, it's just one more <laughs> kick while he's down. Get out of here with that and bullshit. You referenced that letter that Don D. Plowman, the uh, chancellor of Tennessee. Yeah. I'm not going to read the whole thing because it's crazy long, but I just want to read. This is how she opened her, her response to all this, Shane. The leaders of intercollegiate. Athletics owe it to the student-athletes and their families to establish clear rules and to act in the best interest. Instead, two and a half years of vague and contradictory NCAA memos, emails, and guidance about NIL has created extraordinary chaos that student-athletes and institutions are struggling to navigate. In short, the NCAA is failing, and I think we can all agree with that last Part. I mean, it, it don't matter if it's NIL or if it's punishment or if it's this or that. Uh, NCAA is a joke. No, they, they really are. And, and, I, and I know that, that Tennessee is at the front of this, but you better damn believe every major Power 5 conference team is is behind this. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And in worst-case scenario, they will – I mean, it's – 
we're in name, image, likeness. We're, we're in a new chapter. You know, we, we can't go back in time, even though they're trying to, and, and <laughs> say, hey, let's make them relevant again. It, it's, it's done. It's over. This is going to be state-ran. This is going to be, you know, university-ran. And the NCAA is on their last leg. They've, they've made a joke on the last few cases. I mean, Tennessee – how can you say a couple years ago that, oh, Tennessee, you know, did the – they're just the prime example of, look at, they turned themselves in and all this shit. You know what I'm saying? And then all of a sudden it's like, man, they're really bad. They're, they, Tennessee is so bad. They, they've been cheating this whole damn time. Like, everybody ain't been cheating. Like, nobody doesn't do the NIL or, or attract these kids with the name, image, likeness contracts. Get out of here. Sir UGA says Nick Saban is the mole, Shane. I'd, I'd buy it now that he's out. You know what I mean? He's tattletailing on everybody yeah. now that he don't have it. And, and you said, like, like you, you, like you hinted at here. This is according to Adam Sparks. I, again, I have no idea if this is true or not, but but he's a solid reporter. He's saying for context, in May 2022, NCAA vowed to retroactively enforce NIL rules. So rules, so things that were not against the rules then, but are now. They're, they're trying to punish people? For, like, what the hell are we talking about here? And I, I thought Shane summed it up best. His his reaction sent out a a, uh, a clip from the classic Tropic Thunder. Real quick, let's, let's kick it over to Shane's initial response to this Tennessee shenanigans. Go fuck yourself. No, we don't negotiate with terrorists. No, we don't. No, we don't. That was the leaked conversation. When Tennessee saw this come up, they they went out there, got ahead of it. So, hey, I'm telling you, this all of a sudden, all of a sudden it, it, people are going to be quick to attack Tennessee and, and Nico's situation. And I get that. I, I would be doing the same. I'm not going to say I'm any different if it were an opposing team. But – what, I, what I'm saying here is this is going to be bigger than it looks, and it's going to go beyond this initial conversation we had today, man. This is just – I mean, this is the tip of the iceberg, brother, and I, and I truly think that you're going to either start seeing the NCAA fall apart, you're going to see Tennessee, the University of Tennessee, sue them, you know, take them to court and making them – I mean, because how, how, how tight is your case – <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We've seen some of them NCAA cases. They're not that tight sometimes. So uh, you better believe that for, for Plowman to send that letter, she knows without a doubt that Tennessee is not in the wrong here. And it's just going to look like egg on the face of the NCAA when it comes to light. Well, speaking of egg on the face, Shane, I, I'm turning more and more blue on this. I, I look like a yeah. smurf over here. I don't know what in the world's yeah. going on with my camera, but uh, man, go I be. I thought you're at the. Are you at Willy Wonka factory? <laughs> <laughs> Did you eat one of them blueberries? <laughs> They're gonna will your ass out here in a minute. <laughs> but if there was any doubt, Shane, that Nico is legit, and, uh, and I don't even know if he did anything wrong, but that, that's apparently who they're centered all this this junk on. But. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's got to be incredible if they're trying to take down Tennessee and Nico and all this, uh, you know. And, and and if Tennessee were to get in trouble, which I don't think they will, I'll be I'll be very clear about that. I don't think anything's going to come of this. But if they do, it's he's probably going to be amazing, you know. Like he's an NFL Hall of Famer that is ineligible <laughs> just at Tennessee or something. You know what I mean? Oh man, I don't. What what do you think? Let's 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 just real quick. Worst case scenario. I mean, let's say worst case scenario. I mean, this thing's not going to be a thing till probably after fall. I mean, worst case scenario, don't you think 
this would be pushed back. There's no way they would accelerate, especially if there's been no official uh, charges or anything like that, correct? Yeah, I mean, I, the way they move, Shane, I mean, this this could take years to to adjudicate. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and here's the thing that I don't understand about it, any of it, Shane. I mean, if they're going after Tennessee, if they're going after the collective, if they're going against Nico or any player, probably shouldn't just keep saying Nico because I have no idea. But whoever they're going after, Shane, they're going to need the collective to to uh, you know uh, give information. They're going to need the player to give information. And I don't know what in the world they're thinking because no one's going to voluntarily give this information up. They and the NCAA's mm-hmm. got no power to say you have to give us this information. So. I, I don't really understand how they would prove any allegations are true. Yeah, that's that's and the allegations. The allegations was that and, and correct me if I'm wrong, is that Nico got a private jet to come visit the University of Tennessee. Is that kind of one of them or, or it, I've seen it floating around. So don't don't quote me on that one. Right. Well, but you, on the last episode you revealed how cheap I am, Shane. So that was New York Times is reported. You can't, I, I clicked on it. You can't read it with, unless you subscribe to the New York Times. You take a wild <laughs> guess. Did I subscribe to the New York Times? Hell no. No, Absolutely so I don't know not. what the hell it says. But yeah, that, that's the sense people are saying where where I guess the collective paid for a private flight and all this. And, and I guess that's illegal. But uh, hey. If, but if, there's a video mm-hmm. floating around with Dabo <laughs> with a bunch of recruits pointing at a stadium that these kids may or may not play at. It's like. Okay, so it's cool in 21, but it's not cool now, you know? (laughs) Right. So, again, I I don't know what in the world is all going to come of this. Florida apparently is under a similar investigation. And now Tennessee, Florida State. I mean, I I think there's going to be more of this to come. But at the end of the day, I don't think anything's going to come of it. I really don't. Based on what I know today. Yeah, I I don't either. And like you said, based – just the fact that the university was so quick to put something out that that was my tale. Now, if you if UT didn't say anything, then you'd be like, uh oh, you know. But you got Florida getting the same kind of treatment down there. There's another university that's done with. I mean, they're you talk about done with NCAA. Them Gators are definitely done with them. So this is just one or this is two of the 16 SEC teams that that are just tired of NCAA's bullshit. So I, I think it. I think they're di- just dying, man. It's a dying breed, and, and it's and it's going down swinging. Right, and, and uh, appreciate you, uh, Big Papa. He gave us five bucks. He says, "What? Why is it? Why are we even talking about Nico? Why, why do people keep pointing a finger at him?" Apparently, and again, I I don't have a New York Times subscription, so I can't read it. But I I did read his name in there, so they're they are saying it's it's involving him. But again, I don't know the full details. I didn't read it. I didn't write the damn article, so. Yeah. Let me see something here. I've got one. Uh, I took one earlier. I th- well, yeah, I, I read something about, and I'm sure the listeners got it here too. It was about the, one of the things was Nico's uh, private jet is, is the one. <laughs> but then there's, there's like 50 of the USC quarterback in a penthouse, you know, looking at his phone. So I'm this trying one right to here, Shane. I got through. it. Oh no, <laughs> Nico flew. A, yeah, Nico flew in a plane, but uh, Caleb Williams uh, got like a 20 million dollar mansion while he was living in LA. Oh, what a day to be living, Mike! But this is what we said from the beginning days of the NIL. 
that there has got to be some sort of structure. I mean, you hear it from the coaches. You're hearing it from media personalities. You know, it is the this is the true wild, wild west here. Mm-hmm. And, and and now we've we've got like a like a drunk sheriff. That's the NCAA. Like he wakes up every third day <laughs> and, and decides to go after one criminal. You know, but he's gonna he's gonna jump over bodies of others. And and I think that's where we're at right now. Is is clearly. This has got to be – I don't know if it could be black and white, but there's got to be some ground rules set in, in place here, whether the universities truly run the NIL collectives or whether we have a, a free agency market or, you know, there there has got to be something in place or we're going to keep having these types of articles pop up every third month. Right, and at the end of the day, like you said, Shane – there's not even been any kind of notice of allegations, nothing. Now, would anybody just write an article and, and then that doesn't come? I mean, they, they would face repercussions, I would think. So I, I would imagine maybe there is something to it. But again, we're, we're kind of reacting in real time to something that, that's not even been levied against the university at this point in time. Yeah. No, and, and, and same thing with the Florida situation. It's just... They're they're not you're not nothing's going to come of it. It it made story headlines for we're not even talking about it now. We're talking about Tennessee. We've moved on to another one. Right. Like oh shit, they're after Florida. Oh you know. And then three days later, like oh well, who was that other team? You know <laughs> who was who were they mad at? <laughs> well, and it was like oh, I was shit. I was saying with Braden earlier, Shane. When when Quinshaw Junkins went to Ole Miss or excuse me to yeah. uh, Ohio State, he made that transfer. He didn't even get to announce it. I, I don't know if you saw that. Who announced it? was Ohio State's collective. So they announced, mm-hmm. hey, we got Junkins. You know what I mean? Like, So, yeah. I mean, this is all – this is happening all, not just SEC, Big Ten. This is happening everywhere. I, I don't know that rules are being broke. I'm, I'm not saying everybody's, you know, breaking rules and everything like that. But, uh, I mean, we are living in, in new times here, and I don't think the NCAA's got any jurisdiction. And, and to try to come down on someone – for, for things that were not against the rules then but are now. I mean, that just yeah. seems like – that just seems asinine. Well, I, I don't know who said it. The uh, One of the guys on Five Bob, you know, and, and I don't want to – I don't want to mislabel any of them because they'll get mad at me. But but he, he made a perfect point. He's like, nobody said anything about Iowa coming down there and shopping a tackle when he's having a bad few games. You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> nah, they don't care about that. They just want <laughs> – they want Tennessee for some reason. They want Florida. It's like, I don't get it. Yeah. Well, hey, you got any uh, other thoughts, Shane? We're going to kick it over to our, our Gabe Bjorman interview. I'm going to post that video for, for all you live listeners on YouTube. It's going to go live uh, probably probably in about 15 minutes. It's, it's already ready to go. But uh, outstanding interview. I promise I'm not blue on it. It looks like I'm not even blue on this one anymore. Shane, I'm getting better already as we're sitting oh. here talking. But uh, <laughs> any final thoughts before we, we close up on this uh, short episode here? See, when you hang out with Cousin Shane, you're not so blue anymore, you know? So just a, just a little dose of, of because. Uh, no, hey, I, I'm not freaking out. I, I'm, I mean, obviously I was emotional. This was kind of a hot take here, but I just you just got me after I've, I've really been thinking about it for a while. I mean, I've been kind of, kind of fuming over this thing. And then I get on Twitter and I get on these rabbit holes. So 
apologize if I came across violent. Um, I'm not. I am okay, Mike. You're you're not blue anymore, so that's awesome. And uh, <laughs> this is an excellent interview. If you've if you're not uh, the audio listeners, you're about to get a treat. If the if you're watching on the video, just give it. When's it coming out again officially uh, on YouTube? Uh, it, probably in about ten minutes. It, it's already uploaded, yeah. ready to go. I was just kind of waiting to see how long we went here. Keep keep an eye on that, Mizzou fans. You're going to absolutely love it. I thought there was some real good stuff in there, and uh, I look forward. I, I I'm probably not going to be off tomorrow. I'll be back on tomorrow probably. So <laughs> we'll just some more news will hit. Yeah, and, and it needs a vacation. Wesley, appreciate your five bucks. You say Shane, you're already looking lean. How, is, how's the diet going? Can you give us a final recap on that? I feel like I'm getting scurvy already, you know. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, no. I tell you, the first few days, it's always really good, you know. Like I'm feeling good. Yeah. I love steak, you know. But you know, now I'm starting to get to that part. Like I don't even like bacon right now, you know. It's like I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to come up with some new new options here. But I do feel better. Uh, something about the inflammation. I'm not a doctor. Not telling you to do the carnivore diet. Nothing like that. I'm just saying. Uh, it, it's, it's working for me. So I do feel better and, uh, uh, I was a lot more active today. So that's always good. Awesome. Well, uh, good luck to you, brother. And hopefully you make it to uh, the next episode, which will, like you said, it'll probably be an emergency <laughs> tomorrow, but, uh, I, I do well, appreciate now my you. My blood pressure's up and they're going to blame the damn carnivore <laughs> diet when it's Pat with these stupid ass <laughs> articles he's coming out. Guess what? I didn't click on your link. <laughs> Joke's on you, boy. <laughs> I appreciate you, buddy, for giving us this uh, this 15-minute rant here. And, yeah. uh, again, stay tuned for this uh, Gabe Bjorman interview. First time on a show. Great stuff. Mizzou fans, you're going to love it. But uh, that's all we got on this episode. We'll catch you on the next one. All right. See you guys. Go Vols. Come on, Plowman. You my girl. All right, on for the first time, we got Gabe DeOrman from Power Mizzou. And, uh, hey, I was not kidding when I said, Gabe, you, our audience, you were probably the most requested guest we've had over the last six months. So it's, uh, it's, real, it's a real honor to have you on. Yeah, I don't know if that's a compliment to me or if your people need to find better guests, uh, but I'm impressed you pronounced my name correctly the first time. Nobody ever does, so well done. Yeah. No, I no, genuinely, I, I love listening to your show, particularly – uh, during the football season, of course, because that's what we focus on. But uh, the Sundays, well, I guess you guys do them Saturday night. I don't catch it till Sunday morning, but you guys do a, a hell of a job over at Power Mizzou. We've had Gerard on the show a number of times, so can't thank you uh, enough for all your coverage you do for the Missouri program. But And I promise, I'm not even going to ask you any basketball questions, so I'm, I'll give you a break here. <laughs> yeah, because this year, Missouri fans <laughs> would turn it off at that point. So, <laughs> What a weird time this is, Gabe, where – I don't know, is it fair to go into the season with playoff expectations? That may be a bit much, but I think it's realistic to to kind of have that in your head if you're a Missouri fan. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, I always kind of differentiate between hopes and expectations. Hopes, absolutely. Realistic hopes, I, I think that's what all Missouri fans are shooting for, want. I think the people in the program think that's a, a, a definite possibility. But I don't think you can say expectations because if you go nine and three at Missouri in the SEC, like that's a good year. It might not get you in. I mean, look, this year, you know, 10 and two was was borderline. I mean, Ole Miss was 10 and two and probably would have been out of a 12 team playoff until the very last ranking. They would have gotten that last spot. So 
you know, I, I don't know if you can go in expecting it, but but that's what Missouri fans are shooting for. Uh, kind of, I, I guess some people would say this is hitting it is exactly the right time, and some people might say it's hitting one year too late. I guess. <laughs> well, and, and to that point, Gabe, I mean, I don't know how long you've been covering Missouri. How, how long you've been covering this program? Uh, Twenty-one years here, um, and then I was at the the student TV station for for a couple years in college. So I took a, a four and a half year hiatus and went up and lived in the wilderness in South Dakota, and then uh, came back in '03. I didn't ask that to, to age you or anything like that, but to set up this next question, just have you ever seen it turn so quickly? Because I don't know about you, but I mean, two, three weeks into last season, fans were, they were fed up with drink. They were done with Brady Cook. I mean, we were mm. getting, we got a voicemail line. They were calling in about what a good guy he is and, and he needs to be a good guy on the bench and, and turn this thing over to Sam Horn. Yet now, Gabe, we do like, you know, who, who are the top, five coaches in the SEC, and they'll be damned if Eli is not in that list. If he's not, then I'm a fool. Yet six months ago, they would have been happy with another coach. So in your time covering Missouri, have you ever seen it turn this quickly? 2013 was pretty similar. Um, they went five and seven, four and eight, something like that, their first year in the SEC. And, you know, it had a ton of injuries, but still there were a lot of people after that 2012 season in I wasn't quite there, but I understood where they were coming from that said, you know, appreciate Gary for everything he did. He got us in this league, all that. But maybe maybe he's not the guy that's cut out to do it here. And then they come out in 13 and, you know, win 12 games and win the East and uh, James Franklin's healthy. And all of a sudden, when you're starting quarterbacks healthy, everything looks better. It's kind of weird how that works. Um, but that was similar, but the difference is in 2012 to 13, it was injuries. Last year to this year, it was just mostly the guys they had just getting a lot better, right? Brady Cook went from a guy that was an average starting quarterback in the Power Five, maybe a little bit below, I, I think is fair, and then turned into, like you said, a top, I don't know, top third, top half of the league type guy. Uh, Luther Burden went from a guy who had all this potential, but Let's be honest, he he hadn't really done it. He didn't really do it his freshman year to all of a sudden the guy that you've got to know where he is. Cody Schrader went from a guy that I started the year saying, look, I, I really like the kid, but if you're serious about winning big things in the SEC, like this can't be your starting running back to I voted him third on my Heisman list, you know? So, <laughs> I, I mean, um, there's some things that, that, like I don't even blame people. People try to make you feel bad about what you thought at the time, right? Like I wrote a column after they beat Middle Tennessee 23-19 and I catch hell for it every day. Like people think I dislike Eli personally because I wrote after that game, what happened to the guy who came in here with all this swagger and was running flea flickers against LSU and leaving his defense out there for a goal line stand? I said, all of a sudden now I'm looking at this guy that's super conservative and oh, by the way, I watch his offense and if I didn't know they had hired a new offensive coordinator, I wouldn't know they'd changed anything. Well, then a week later, they go out and beat Kansas State, and it all kind of flips, and everybody wants to say, why are you an idiot? Why do you hate Eli? Like, I never hated him, but it was okay to have doubts at that time. And he was a 500 coach coming off a 23-19 win over Middle Tennessee State. Like, if you didn't have doubts, you're either a liar or just as soon as somebody puts a Missouri shirt on, you know, they're, uh, you know, our Lord and Savior walking the earth until they're fired. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no doubt. Well, I, I get a lot of questions from uh, other 
fan bases. They're just curious about Missouri and the NIL and, and the push into that. And I think, personally, I think it's great for college football because uh, all, all these guys, I mean, we're, so much money being generated in this sport, it's, it had to filter down. And, I, and clearly, I th- you know, we're still not doing it 100% correctly, but <laughs> right. it, it's, it's the path we have in credit Missouri and, and the university and the state. I know they've changed the laws. What, what all has kind of led to this push to where Missouri, you know, they're not the, at the very top of the NIL game. You know, you think of the, the Texas schools and Oregon and, and, and things of that nature, but Missouri's not far off. What, what has led to this momentum to where Missouri is, is among the top, you know, maybe 15 programs in the country when it comes to NIL? Well, I, I think it's just this confluence of like Missouri's always had a lot of people that went to school here with a lot of money. I, I mean, uh, you know, the names might not be it. They don't have the one guy that's maybe Phil Knight or Boone Pickens, but there's a lot of money um, in, in people who have gone to school here. But they've never really been united around this cause of, you know, hey, let's let's see if we can pull this together and do something for Mizzou. I think Eli Drinkwitz deserves credit for unifying them. I think Desiree Reed Francois does. Like they've all kind of decided let's pull in the same direction here. And, you know, I think Drink's biggest strength is his personality, his people skills. And I think he figured out very early on, like, I don't think you'd be a head coach these days and do all of it. Do the football part, do the recruiting part, do the donor part, you know, do the the baby kissing circuit and all that. So you've got to decide – Am I going to be the guy that focuses on the on-field stuff? And then I need like a general manager to go get the rest of it. I think Eli kind of became the general manager. And that's not discrediting his football knowledge. He knows a hell of a lot more about it, surely, than I do. But I, I think he said, if I can line all these people up and get all this going in the right direction, and then I can bring in a guy that I trust to to run this offense, you know, it could take off. And um, they've managed to do that. And then – you know, winning's a drug, man. Like you, you get some of it coming in, and then you go out and go eleven and two and beat Ohio State, and all of a sudden people are lining up. And you know, this roster is, uh, it, like you said, I would, I would say top ten to fifteen in the country in IL wise. And if he goes out and makes that playoff, and maybe even hosts a game, like I've told people in the program, Eli could stand at midfield at the opening kickoff of a playoff game and personally insult every fan in the stands and say, oh, by the way, write me a check. And they would do it because that's winning is addictive like that. Um, You know, and I think the misconception about NIL was always, well, all this is going to mean is Georgia and Alabama and Ohio State and all these other teams are going to pour in the most money and they're going to separate themselves. Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, those guys don't have to pay the price that Ole Miss does, that Missouri does, that some of these next level, the people spending the big money are the people trying to catch those people because Kirby Smart can go into living rooms and say, hey, you know, we won back-to-back national titles and we're like a couple plays away from winning a third. So, yeah, we're going to give you some money. But they get a little dis- they get the winner's discount a little bit, right? The, the the teams that I think are spending the big money are the ones that are trying to get to that level that have maybe never really been there. Mm-hmm. And how well suited is the state to kind of keep us momentum? Because not only you know all these coaches when they come in they say we're going to close the borders and all this, and, and they, that's a nice narrative, and you try to mm-hmm. do it, but 
I can't think of many like Missouri that have landed uh, guys off other rosters like Caden Green, Mookie Cooper, that have ties that left that for whatever reason wanted to, to return home. So you got that too. And then and then obviously there's there's a lot of talent in and around the state in, in the local areas there. How how suited is it for, for Missouri to maybe not win eleven games every year, but just be, you know, a, a top half SEC team under drink? Well, for the next few years, especially, I mean, they're out here literally writing state laws to make it legal to pay in-state kids early, right? I mean, (laughs) hey, you can think of it what you want, but they're operating within the system they've been given for as long as it lasts. Um, But the ironic part is this year was their worst year recruiting in-state under Drinkwitz. I think they landed one of the top 10 kids. Now, it was a big one, Williams Winery, right? Number, I think we've got them number eight in the country. So uh, certainly a big one, but what he's done that, Nobody else has ever done in Missouri, and that frankly I didn't think was possible at Missouri, is go into other states and get these four-star kids. You know, now that look, they're not landing five stars from Georgia yet, but Sam Horn, even before NIL, was was a four-star quarterback out of the state of Georgia, top 100 kid. Missouri didn't get kids like that unless they were from Kansas City or St. Louis in the past. So he's done a great job of that. Um, I mean, you guys see all the he's got a he's got a personality that sells, right? I mean, he's a He's a funny dude most of the time, depending on which side of it you're on, right? Either either funny or, hey, maybe back off a little bit, wh- whichever way you want to view it. But um, they've got a chance here, and I think everybody at Missouri knows, hey, we've got a two- or three-year window here before, A, some other people start doing what we're doing in this, or B, they just come in and change this whole system and take away the advantage that we've managed to find in this. So I, I think they'll do everything they can in those two or three years. And then I'm I'm sure you've heard this question about a hundred times since the season ended. But how do they replace Cody Schrader, who, who like you yeah. said, you, you voted him third on the Heisman? I think the first time he caught my attention, Gabe was a, was a spring game. I think it must it had to have been his first one at Mizzou, and it was like the second half, and he was just trucking people. But I just assumed that was the walk on that never gets touches, so he was making the most of it. Never in a million years did I think he'd be arguably the best running back in the SEC. So how in the world do they possibly replace him? Well, it's it's interesting. I mean, because it is the most replaceable position in sports, right? If he's, I, I mean, that line deserves a lot of credit. I think what Brady and Luther did the first half of the season, if you look at Cody's numbers, first five, six games, they were decent, but they were nothing like what he did in the second half of the year. And I think that has a lot to do with teams starting going, Hey, we got to make somebody else beat us besides Luther Burden over our, over the top all the time. So I think he benefited from that. Um, and I don't mean any of that to take away from Cody. Like he was a he was clearly a special kid, and he's really tough to replace. I don't think you're going to throw one kid in there and all of a sudden he's going to break the school rushing record next year too. Um, you're going to have to do it with a few guys. Um, and you know, like nobody saw this come. I don't think Cody saw that coming. I know Eli Drinkwitz didn't see it coming, and. You know, when you do what I do and you follow recruiting so closely for so long, like every walk on who comes in, people are like, oh, I I like this kid, man. I think he's the one that could do this. And you just kind of get conditioned to go, guys, there's a reason that 85 dudes have a scholarship on this team and he's not one of them. Right. Like, yeah, it would be a cool story, but it would be very surprising if he gets more than a couple carries a game. And then Cody Schrader happens, and what that leads to now is literally 20 years of, we'll never pay attention to recruiting rankings because you remember what Cody Schrader did? (laughs) 
it probably <laughs> still was going to be the exception. Yeah. Well, uh, speaking of uh, Brady Cook and Luther Burden, you know, obviously they were just so impactful last season. Now year two under Kirby Moore offense, it's usually that year two when when this mm-hmm. when the offenses really take off. So let's just assume that that there is a continued progression and Missouri, you know, stays as one of the elite in the SEC. I, again, that's that's a big assumption. But if it does, I I, I assume. There's got to be some Heisman buzz for 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 one of those guys. Who do you think is a more logical Heisman candidate if everything breaks right? Brady Cook or Luther Burden? Logical the way logic should work or logical the way the Heisman Trophy voting works are two different things, right? Um, I mean, Luther is a top 10 draft pick. He is He's the best football player on this team. I don't think it's particularly close. So if you're Missouri, like, He's the guy I start a campaign for, right? Because he's he. If you can teach him to actually catch a punt instead of let it bounce, too, he can add to just the wide receiver stuff. He can do some wildcat. You can give him some jet sweeps. You can find a lot of different ways to get him the ball. But the way Heisman campaigns work, if Missouri is a top ten team, if they are eleven and one, if they are in the running for an SEC championship, whatever, that's going to be Brady Cook getting the votes, and so. Do you want to be actively promoting this other guy taking potential votes away from the quarterback of a playoff team? You know, um, I mean, I've I've had a Heisman vote. Well, my first vote, I was 14 and my dad let me uh, fill out his ballot. But I've, I've actually had a vote for about 15, 17 years, something like that. And just over that time, it's it doesn't go to the best player in college football, right? It goes to the quarter uh, quarterback on a really good team more often than not. Um, so like Luther's the best player on this team, but if you tell me who's got better odds to win the Heisman, I'd go Brady. Mm-hmm. Hey, how impactful do you think it is losing a Blake Baker, the defensive coordinator to LSU and uh, now bringing in this uh, Corey Patoon who from South Alabama, I'm, I'm largely unfamiliar with him. Right. What can you tell us about that hire? Well, um, not a ton. Um, I, I've, what I find really interesting, and the question that that we'll need to find out about Corey over the next, you know, twelve months is uh, the head coach of that program just got hired to be the DC at Alabama. So was this Corey Batoon's defense? Or was this Kane Womack's defense that Corey Batoon called? You know, and, and there's a difference, and I don't know what the answer is, um, but there's a difference there. Flip side of that is when he hired Kirby Moore last year, I legitimately had to Google him. I, I didn't – like, if you would have said, is there a guy named Kirby Moore in college football, I would have said, I mean, I guess you're asking me for a reason, so probably, but I didn't know anything about him, and he came in, and really I thought – should have been Missouri's uh, nominee for the Broyles Award and, and really probably should have been like a semifinalist for that. I thought he did a phenomenal job. Um, Blake did a good job here, no question. Um, you know, but if you drill down on the numbers, like they were a good defense. They were not an elite defense. Um, they were 34th or something total defense. You know, they they didn't take the ball away a ton. They were they were really good at just kind of stopping people, but they didn't have a lot of a lot of takeaways and such. So, you know, I think if the offense gets a little better, you can handle a little step back because that was a defense that had three, four guys that I think are going to be playing in the NFL next year. Um, and you've got to replace all those guys now, too. Now, I, I'm sure you've uh... You may have not memorized it yet, but next year's schedule, 
I don't know if you saw this, but I, I put out a tweet where I, what I did was I went back and looked at uh, every upcoming SEC schedule. And what I did was I just racked up the combined opponent records of, of mm-hmm. how those teams performed last year. And Missouri was the only one, I believe, out of the SEC that their opponents in 24 had a losing record in 23. So, I mean, this is a very manageable slate, which is pretty bizarre. Now, there's some unique road games in there, but um, is it, it, could it possibly be where Missouri even has a better record, but they may not be as good? I mean, that, that seems like it could happen. Yeah, I mean, look, since this schedule came out, I said, I mean, you assume when you're in the SEC, you don't get an easy schedule, right? But if you have to be in the SEC, it's about as close as you can get. I mean, Drink might be trying to see, hey, can we swap Alabama for Mississippi State or Kentucky maybe? <laughs> then it gets a little easier, but I, that's about it. I mean, you're playing Alabama, and, like, it's still Alabama, but – it did maybe get a little bit easier here in the last three weeks, right? Because because uh, they're being coached just by a guy that made the playoff last year, not by a guy that dominated college football for the last two decades. Um, and then, you know, A&M at College Station, like, yeah, that's a game you can go lose, but A&M's got a new coach and hadn't lit the world on fire. Uh, you get Auburn here. You get Oklahoma here. I mean, I think Missouri fans will look at this schedule and expect to be 11-1. and I think if you go game-by-game odds, I think they will be favored in 10, probably. I I still think there's a decent chance Oklahoma would be favored here, or maybe A&M looks really good in the first four games under Mike Elko and they're an underdog at A&M. But other than that, I mean, you know, you're playing Arkansas and you're dodging LSU, you're dodging Georgia – you know, so uh, there's a lot of winnable games there. Is there one that the fans really want to win more than any other? Because I'm, I'm starting to see this budding rivalry with Oklahoma. I, I had, yeah. obviously, I know the history there, but uh, I mean, I'm speaking to all these Oklahoma people. They're like, my God, our fans, we, we, we had forgotten how much they, uh, apparently they hate Missouri now. Well, and they never really used to, because I, I saw your guys' uh, interview with Josh McQuistion a few weeks ago. Missouri fans got mad at it, but I've known Josh for a long time, and he's 100% right. It's like it's like 77 to 15 or something. That's not a rivalry. That's a it's a rivalry on one side. One side really wants to win that rivalry, you know. But I grew up in in the Big Eight, where it was you had your team that you liked, and then you picked either Oklahoma or Nebraska because one of them was going to win the league, so you had to have somebody to root for that day. Uh, but this is turning into a little bit of a rivalry now because Missouri is going to put a team on the field with Luther Burden, Theo Weiss, Chris McClellan from Tulsa, and Caden Green. Um, that will will spark things up a little bit. Um, you know, now will the casual fan who's in the stands know that, or is this a Twitter message board rivalry a little bit more? I'm not sure. Um, but you know, this is a. I, I mean. God, you know about this about the SEC. I mean, you've got your programs that say, "Well, we should never lose to that team." And Missouri or Oklahoma fans absolutely think they should not ever lose a football game to the University of Missouri. And so, if Missouri could pull that one off, now is it the one Missouri fans most want to win? I don't know. You go in in Tuscaloosa, I think you probably just stamped your playoff bid, right? Because uh, you can lose another one somewhere else. And if you're ten and two, even with a win over Alabama, I think you're probably in. But 
I don't know if you polled Missouri fans, which one do you want more? I, I think it'd be pretty close. You know, you just made me think of something though, Gabe. I mean, it, Missouri's kind of always had that chip on their shoulder. And when we were at media days, I mean, I, I swear we don't, we don't, uh, you know, set people up for these, but they just, you know, whether it's a South Carolina writer, an Arkansas yeah. writer, Kentucky, <laughs> yeah. Tennessee, on and on. They're just, they chalk Missouri up as an automatic win. I, I don't know why. And they, and they think it's not a good program and, and this, that, and the other. It, but I, I have to believe that benefits drinking company and, and keeps that chip on their shoulder. How, how important do you think that is moving forward to keep it despite all the success so that, so that they can kind of, kind of be the blue collar uh, of the SEC, so to speak. Yeah, you know, everybody likes to say nobody believed in us except the guys in this locker room right now. Last year's Missouri team, 100% right. Like, I picked them 7-5, and five, and I wasn't sure I believed they'd be that good. So um, they, they were right about it last year. But I gave up on the trying to convince anyone that, you know, the whole world isn't against you when uh, Kirby Smart managed to convince his players that someone picked them 7-5 and five the year they won the national <laughs> title. Um, so say whatever you want. Um but no, I, I think there's, you know, I was just, uh, I met up with my, my son this weekend. He's, uh, he's 26 now. And he was kind of asking like about that, like, why do these other programs kind of still talk about Missouri? Like the new kid, they've been here. I'm like, oh, they still talk about Arkansas and South Carolina is the new kid. Like if you weren't in the SEC in 1954 or whatever, like, <laughs> you don't count you're not really in this club man you know like you can you can be in the room but you can't be in the corner room of the room um you know so i think with arkansas and south carolina fans i think there's a little bit of oh finally there's somebody that's newer than us we go pick on them the way we got picked on for 20 years you know um and it's funny arkansas fans say we should never lose to missouri well missouri fans say we should never lose in football to kentucky well, why not? They, until last year, they've been a better program than you for eight years. You know, I mean, when they do it every year in this whole, we should never lose to, I don't know, man. I mean, we're not talking logic here, right? We're just, we're just throwing out angry stuff. <laughs> uh, yeah. How uh, Harrison Mevis, what, what a, you know, he's going to go down as a Mizzou legend now. Wh who's next in line? I mean, because most times I, I think kicker, nobody even pays attention to, but. I feel like uh, he's been synonymous with Missouri in Drink's program here. How big of a, a question mark is is the next kicker for the Tigers? Yeah, it's always a question until you see him do it. They got a kid uh, out of Liberty, Missouri, last year named Blake Craig. He'll be a redshirt freshman this year. Um, they like him. You know, I, kicker rankings are all who knows, right? Because um, it's such a difference from high school to college. But but they like him. They didn't go out and get a transfer kicker, so that tells me they think he can take over and do the job. Mevis um, was so interesting because, like, he was just automatic for two years. And then he his junior year was it was pretty rough. And oddly, you felt better about Harrison Mevis lining up for that 62-yard kick than you maybe did on a 32-yard kick. It was really weird. It was like the further away he got, the more automatic he became. You know, so uh, it, it's definitely, like, that's a spot, right? Nobody talks about it until it matters. And then all of a sudden, at the end of the year, you look up, and your kicker might be the the reason you either are or are not in the playoff. Yeah. And, and you mentioned drink, drink and, and just kind of how, obviously, Mizzou fans love him. The rest kind of hate him uh, for his kind of trolling nature. Do, do you personally have a favorite Drinkowitz troll? 
Man, some of them, honestly, I just said they're just like these one liners that you just kind of they just water off a duck's back. Right. Like sometimes they're going to be directed at you. Sometimes somebody else in the room, whatever. You know, I wore a plaid shirt to media one day. He called me a lumberjack. I'm like, hey, man, give me an NIL deal. I will do give me a brawny paper towels deal or something there. Um, you know, the the one that I think everybody talks about that I wasn't a huge fan of was the lightsaber deal. It was a little <laughs> dancing on Dan Mullen's grave, but it, 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 here's my thing. Like everybody thinks drink compares drink and lame drink wants to be Steve Spurrier, man. But to be Steve Spurrier, you got to win like Steve Spurrier. And so I thought he went through a little, you know, I, I remember him on with fine bomb last year and Hey, my dad told me I need to shut up till I go win some games. And he dialed it back a little bit. I'm interested to see what happens now that he's got 11 win season in his pocket. I, I feel like we might see some we might see some good one liners coming out this year. You know, uh, quite potentially. I, I don't think they're on the schedule, but he seems to like to take a, a few shots at the the guys in Knoxville when he can. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. All right, <laughs> final thing for you, Gabe. Really appreciate your time. Uh, can you give us any hope, any information whatsoever on the series with Kansas? Will that will that ever be renewed? How often do you get talked about it? Because I, I remember a couple of years ago, I'm not into politics at all, right? But I, I, I can't even remember the guy's name, but I think he was going to be a vice president candidate. And, and I remember he was saying, I'm trying to get Kansas and Missouri on the field. Yeah. Guys got my vote just, just for that. Is, will this game ever be played again? It's on the schedule for 25 and I, I think 26 is the second one. I know they've got two games on the schedule. Um, now it'll be interesting to see what happens because Missouri's schedule there is weird. Like they have one year with road games at Kansas and at Illinois. I don't think you want to do that in the same year. Is the SEC going to nine? What's that mean for some of these games? But yeah, they are down to play in 2025. Um, I think that game's in Columbia uh, because, you know, with the whole uh, Brett McMurphy report that Missouri dodged Kansas right. in the Liberty Bowl, Drinkwood said, hey, they're coming here and two years, whatever, I'm ready to play them then. Um, so, yeah, it's on the schedule. Um, I think the big one to get back, and the football fans hate it when I say this, but once the basketball game came back, that kind of opened the door for pretty much everything else, right? Missouri fans always said, well, we're not – why would we play them in basketball if they won't play us in football? And I always said, well, it's more of a basketball rivalry. I mean, outside of 2007, this wasn't – this was never a – like you kind of hated them on principle because they had MU or KU on their helmet. But this was never really a, a football rivalry until that 07 game. Um, but, yeah, it's it's coming back. And what I've figured out the last couple of years, the last couple of times I've gone to Allen Fieldhouse, like it's cool to me that they play, but it's not the same. It, it Like when you're in a different league, when you don't play every year – it's not what I grew up with, and it's not what those of us who are over 30 remember. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those South Carolina games are a lot more meaningful than, than Kansas right. these days. And, you know what? And honestly, in football, what I the one I'd rather see, go get me a home and home and one in Kansas City with Nebraska. Like, hey, that you'll sell that out three places. Um, you know, they're now the roles are reversed a little bit. Nebraska might be going, uh, man, we really need to get this one to get to six, you know, but, um, but uh, I, I think that personally, that would get me more excited than MUKU in football. I, I'm, 
Uh, probably now, um, you, all the Missouri fans are going to be saying, never have that guy on again. He's an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> no, I promise you, they will not. Gabe Diorman, Power <laughs> Mizzou. Before you go, can you tell the audience? I'm sure they know already, but where can they follow you and where can they find your work? Yeah, on Twitter, at PowerMizzou.com. Um, I got rid of many of the trolls when I took my name off the Twitter account and just started tweeting from the site account. Um, they don't like to attack a brand nearly as much as a human, so that's good. Um, <laughs> PowerMizzou.com on the Rivals Network. Come uh, check it out. You can even read some of it for free, but we would appreciate it if you paid us any. Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and Cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State.